Hey y'all. Welcome. <laughs> okay, I didn't say mock me, okay? I didn't know. I'm mocking. <laughs> <laughs> hey y'all. Welcome to Who All's Gonna Be There? A podcast for artists and by artists. We talk cash shit about everything. Sometimes we get messy. And it all counts as art. Because we say so. Okay, why is it the quiet storm? What is happening here? <laughs> You have to try on different outfits and see what fits. <laughs> All right, everyone. I'm Mel. I'm 41 years a black, 41 years a woman, and 35-ish years an artist. What you see depends on which glasses you happen to be wearing. This week, I'm a rocket flight attendant. I sell barbecue sauce out of the trunk of my car, and I host <laughs> slave rebellion reenactments in my backyard for $16.19 a pop on Tuesdays and Fridays. Yo, 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 what's up? I am the voice you heard earlier. It's Maximiliano, Maxi Max, a.k.a. The Reaper. Um, I'm always in flux, but maybe in good ways now. LOL. So you all should definitely subscribe to be a Patreon um, of Nat Turner Project because there is some serious swag. Exclusive Patreon-only podcast episodes. We're releasing a new one shortly. Um, called um, The show is called So Extra, and you can get it on there if you subscribe at our $10 level. Um, and also, our legendary Patreon-exclusive long-running zine publication, Book of Sedition. And of course, the simple pleasure of supporting us and all of our art schemes and flimflams. We also have an Etsy with all of our publications and the newest one, Black Abbey. We got totes, we got buttons, we got advice. And now the buttons are limited numbers, runs, editions, and future currency. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud, and follow us at at Nat Turner Project on the social medias. Got a question or a comment? Want to let Max or I know what you did last summer? <laughs> we promise we won't tell. Email us at natturnerproject0 at gmail.com, because without the zero, it goes to some white lady on the East Coast. Y'all know what it is. 
<laughs> Today is just us. So be happy with that. Yeah. Um, we're going to jump into our first talking point. Melanie and I haven't been together to chit-chat in a while to cut it up, and we're going to cut up some shit today. Yeah, snip, snip, baby. Snip, snip, and we are starting with us Olympics, the U.S. Olympics. (laughs) Are the U.S. Olympics us? Because I would beg to differ. Yeah, no. (laughs) Um. There's so much shit happening, I can't keep track. I can't keep track anymore. I guess they've started. Yeah, yeah, they did. And then um, they started in Tokyo. I'm just going to give an overview of everything I know about the Olympics. Okay. That, um, U.S. Olympics, they or not the U.S. Olympics, the the Olympics in general. Mm-hmm. All the athletes have a lot of sex with each other. I've heard that. Yes. And they have to like give out a lot of like condoms and stuff. Yes. Or a lot of STDs happen. I think. Yeah. At the Olympic Village. And I imagine more so um, it, after a pandemic. Right. So. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Um, woe to Tokyo. Um, I, what else? I've, I've heard that the beds are made out of cardboard. I saw a video of um, the athletes testing it out. Yeah. Um, which I, I guess is good for the earth. But um, Jeff Bezos is going to space, so what does it matter? Um, what else I knew? Um, um, I remember, or I know about the 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 swim caps the yes. the swim caps for natural hair for black hair being outlawed banned because black hair is always a problem right um what else do i know um also too i feel like this stuff was unfolding while i was back in dallas with shakiri richardson mm-hmm. um being what like kicked out or not allowed to compete in in the 100 meter which was like her main race mm-hmm. but then was able to do the potentially still able to do the 4 by 100 but then the uh, U.S. Olympic Committee was like, actually, we're not going to bring you for that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, miss out on the Olympics for um, smoking weed, cannabis. After she learned that her mother had passed away from the press. Right. And then she was also, like, amazing fast and, like, breaking all these, like, records. And she was, like, a black woman with this amazing um, wig of fiery hair with long nails kind of evoking Flojo energy. Um, so she she was poised, or she is poised to be like a superstar in definitely, the game. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, what else I know? I know um, Simone Biles is um, running shit. Mm. She's like um, been running a camp in Texas and has been mm. getting um, a bunch of other like black gymnasts to go there and like been really like positive on them and stuff compared to this very anti-black Olympic system. Mm. Um. I think those are the things I know. I, I know a little bit about, I feel like I can't remember all the details, but the, the testosterone testing. Yes. Um, so I don't remember all the details about that one. But. Uh, suffice to say, that's horseshit. Um, and more ways to regulate um, black people kind of winning in this game. Uh, I think there's also something about some sexual harassment thing. Like, they're actively trying to keep some competitor, some dude, away from women because he has a history but he's, he's allowed to be there. Yeah, yeah, he's allowed to be there. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's it's all bullshit. That's ridiculous. So, were you, before this, I guess the question, before this, were you watching the Olympics? Hell no. <laughs> so you already want to watch the Olympics? No. So you're definitely not going to watch it now? Yeah, I, I'm probably the wrong audience to rail against this, because I was never going to watch it. I can't boycott it, because I never started in the first place. So you never really kept up with the Olympics? Nah. Even when they were in Atlanta? 
funny story about that. I was actually out of town when they came to Atlanta for some, like, governor's honors program or some shit where yeah. I went to Valdosta. But, yeah, no. I have never participated in the Olympics, ever. No, when I was younger, I remember, um, I guess these are the Summer Olympics. I think I remember watching Summer Olympics sometimes, mm-hmm. watching, like, yeah, Flojo, Michael Johnson, yeah. um, other track stars. Yeah. Um, I would watch the Winter Olympics. I remember that one. Apollo, Anton Ono, oh. Speed Skater. So I feel like I have Olympic memories, yeah. but um, I can't remember the the more recent Olympics. I don't feel like I've watched any of those, and I'm definitely not. I was like, there was a part of me that's just like so uh, like soccer soccer hungry that I was gonna probably watch like the soccer aspect of the Olympics. I get that, but now I don't think I will even watch those. <laughs> um, they were just like under twenty three, anyways. But I mean, that's still cool. But yeah. So the Olympics suck, just like any other. Well, also, I think it's interesting. This is, like, a semi-informed opinion. Everything I think I say is semi-informed, so. <laughs> same, same. But I think, like, the Olympics was, like, restarted during this age, like, this, like, you know, uh, as, a, as an effect of, like, the Industrial Revolution, like, the 1800s, late 1800s, like, the formalization of a lot of sports mm-hmm. and, like, the interna- internationalization of a lot of sports, like, these, the formation of these international, like, sporting bodies, like, the, like, FIFA was started in, like, 1919, and then, like, when did the first Olympics came back in, like, the late 1800s, early 1900s, mm-hmm. but, like, a lot of these, I feel like, were still driven by, like, Western European countries to, like, have this kind of, like, international sporting bodies, right, because, like, you know, what do, like, you know, British people, Western European people love to codify things, love to turn things into, like, you know, classifications and boxes, of course, and that's, like, what they did with sport, and I feel like, I guess I'm saying, I feel like the Olympics still, I guess the entire structure of the Olympics still comes from a very white place, even though it's, like, supposed to be hearkening back to this ancient Greek democratic, you know, utopian society or whatever, but it's, like, the, the, our modern version of the Olympics is still, like, this... But even the fetishization of, like, Greek society is super white. Yeah, that's literally... (laughs) Yeah, like, everything that has to do with, like, Western society, yeah. classes, classicism, neoclassicism, neoclassicalism. There it is. We're going to get it out. Hellenic. Let's yeah. just say Hellenic. The Hellenic world, right? Let's look at from the plantation to the White House, right? It's the, mm. it's the same structures. It's the same goddamn house. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> so the are fucked up, but I'm also, like, super bummed out about, like, people that like work their whole life to like fucking win an olympic gold medal and camp for some bullshit I'm like that's bullshit yeah do you feel that that's what happened with shikari because there's been a lot of talk of that what happened with shikari i mean she in essence from what i understand she knew that there was some possibility of being tested she was going through a really rough time i'm going to talk about that later in celia's glass of water um and she decided to smoke anyway. Do you think that maybe there was some part of her that just either just didn't give a fuck or maybe didn't want to go to the Olympics? I mean, maybe. Like, I feel like we could, like, try to do some, like, you know, distance therapizing to be like, oh, <laughs> did you, maybe you actively smoked weed because, like, a part of you didn't want to go to the Olympics. Maybe. Like, I, I feel Which like... Which would be okay, by the way. Yeah, but I feel like I can't. I'm not in no place to say one way or the other. Sure. Like, um... But I do, yeah, like, to your point earlier, she's definitely, like, a star, gonna be a star, mm-hmm. gonna win future world championships, you mm-hmm. know, because the Olympics isn't the only competition, but also, I'm sure we'll be at future Olympics, um, if she wants to, um, 
But uh, oh yeah, the one thing we talked about earlier, just off air, but that we haven't addressed as far as the Olympics topic, that I do want to touch on is um, what I'm telling you about um, Megan Rapoport, the the U.S. soccer player, yeah, who's um, now profiting off of this new issue of athletes smoking weed or weed in the Olympics. But of course, she's a white woman, and then her sister conveniently already has a marijuana company and they're like bringing their products and like brands or whatever like i don't know if it's like the weed sell safe stuff i don't know if they're actually bringing like weed to the olympics but they're bringing like products and paraphernalia and like um little little pouches and like Mm -hmm. bags and like other um propaganda merchandise and stuff like that and then talking about like now like somehow she became the face of athletes in the olympics smoking weed this white woman who had nothing to do with shakari richardson as, as suffering no consequences is like seen as like one of the stars, right? The the U.S. women's team is going to win, probably win the gold medal again. Um, so it's like you know the very tale of two cities, of course. Yeah. And then her sisters already, of course, like which speaks to the weed marketing in general of like white people being able to take full advantage of weed, even being illegal, being legalized in general, yeah. um, in, rela- in like relation to black people, not being in prison for it mm-hmm. and now they both have this international stage to just like have that business like blow the fuck up have her become the new champion for athletes with cannabis and then have her sister be this convenient be like oh yeah buy all the products from my sister like that's so white capitalism american that is the olympics so i guess that makes sense yeah like fuck <laughs> just it's like, fuck. it's all bullshit it's all bullshit The whole drug industrial complex is fucking horseshit, and I'm tired. Anti-blackness strikes again. I mean, I'm a person who, for most of her professional career, couldn't really do recreational drugs because there would be random drug tests. I got drug tested to work at Amazon for a summer during the graveyard shift. It's bullshit. Um, but I, I get to see all of my white colleagues, particularly those in upper management, um, the top levels, do all kinds of like cocaine and <laughs> like designer drugs with no consequence. The whole idea of drugs as a concept is just fucked, and I'm annoyed. I just wish I could mute it from my entire existence. I mean, I just hate everything about it. So many things. So many things. <laughs> First off, like, I mean, I. White people treat drugs like a joke, and then black people treat it the way it is in our lives, which it could be a matter of life and death. Yeah, this could fuck up your whole life, yeah. But yeah, because white people have the... Yeah, nobody's like checking dudes in suits for cocaine. Mm -hmm. That's just like the the story, that's like what it is. Like, there's no... White people walk around just as many drugs as anybody else. More drugs, um, because of their feelings of impunity. Yeah. And then they're just never checked. It's... It's not like there. I mean, we already know that all those numbers are bullshit. So I'm not even. Yeah. But um. I would like to reiterate once again because I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this. I grew up in a black neighborhood, um, for pretty much all of my life, um, my young adult life. I didn't learn about drugs till I got to Yale. I'm just gonna put that shit out there. There it is. So. <laughs> to to the point of you being a former Amazon employee. <laughs> I knew that shit was gonna come up. Um, We're gonna let that slide, huh? No, 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 no. <laughs> this is good. So when Jeff Bezos 
was like giving his speech before he went into space. He <laughs> thought he thanked all of the Amazon people that have ever used Amazon, mm-hmm. but he also thanked all of the employees. Yes. Do you feel like you shared in the <laughs> in the celebration and the success of Jeff Bezos going to space? Actually, yes. Um, when Jeff Bezos, you know, um, came back from his just the tip um, <laughs> trip to space. And he had the courtesy and the and the the compassion to thank all of his tireless employees. You know, I felt like my heart grew three sizes, really. Like it was an awakening for me. So, um, and I just I I think very fondly back to the two weeks that I worked for Amazon during the graveyard shift um, in this warehouse in the middle of Portland, um, where we got a fifteen minute break, and. You know, it's good times. It's really good times. I think this, like, I don't have it all figured out, but I see Jeff Bezos, his bald head. I see <laughs> him calling his whole Amazon um, empire family. <laughs> I see Dom Trudeau. And I see it all as some funny meme merging somehow. <laughs> That's how he got to space because of family. Yeah. Jeff Bezos is literally Fast and Furious Nine. We'll get to that, but <laughs> I haven't heard, I haven't seen it yet, but because it's not streaming. Oh, yeah. But I would love to talk about it and my impressions. But yeah, no family. It's all about family. It's all about family. That's how you get to space. That's all. Yeah, that's how Jeff did it. <laughs> so maybe we're just doing something wrong. Maybe. <laughs> We don't um, have enough love in our hearts. <laughs> it's true. Um, Kanye's back. What does that mean? Kanye's back is in Kanye's single. Kanye's making music again. Kanye's not running for office. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All, All of the, the above. above. <laughs> uh, Kim has um, smartly decided she's had enough of his shit, so she's gone. Good for her. I mean, that, deep down, that was why I could never in my heart hate her, because she decided to have a family with this person, and children, and a life, and, I mean, know. according to stories, they were friends for a long time before they dated. Oh, I'm sure. No, I mean, that's what they say, like, Kim and Kanye were friends. Oh, okay. <laughs> you don't think so? <laughs> I think that Kanye... Can one be friends with Kanye? Is that a thing that can happen? Um, Especially if you are a woman... I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> um, but maybe, maybe they really did love each other. No, I'm sure they did. But you that think doesn't about all the the memes and internet stuff about uh, Kim falling off the fashion wagon after Kanye left. Because she was, I mean, because like Kim this, could never dress. No, so they're saying yeah when she was with Kanye that Kanye was picking out all her outfits and then like the moment you can see like the moment that Kanye stops picking out her outfits because she starts like leaving the house to me i don't see a difference but i guess to like fashion people they're like oh this is i don't i don't really study kim like that so i don't know but i mean she can hire somebody for that it's fun you know she she's moved into the um the i think she's a billionaire now too probably but she's moved into the whole renewal divorcee um getting my second win living my best life ver um portion of her romance <laughs> it's coming i'm sure she'll be fine with her billions but kanye 
Uh, apparently, has an album coming out in two weeks entitled Donda. Jay Z apparently has a track on it. Um, so, do you think the thing separating them was Kim? Because that's what they always say, like Kim or Beyonce hated Kim, and that's why they were never really like Jay and um, Kanye stopped being so cool. No, I think I think Kanye had more to do with that with that than Kim. Kanye was the one who said a bunch of stupid shit. <laughs> but I think it was after it was like after that they already noticed the falling out, and it was like Beyonce was like, I don't want Kim Kardashian anywhere around me or my kids or my life. Or do you believe that? I can see it. I feel like Beyonce has some sense. I'd be like, that makes sense. <laughs> But I guess, like, if you had asked some sense, like, would you want your husband to hang out with Kanye? But it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I, Kanye is the one friend I would not want my husband <laughs> spending time with without my supervision. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, um, yeah, and I remember, a, like, a lot of the memes that happened after he and Kim got together was... Look at my beautiful dark and twisted fantasy, and then look at Jesus, and <laughs> just like the quality of music, because <laughs> my beautiful dark and twisted fantasy was about Amber. Yeah, no, he uh, he definitely might have been um, get outed. I mean, the Kardashian family is a little scary. I'm not gonna but it's so weird. He's over here wearing uh, MAGA hats, and then she's over here getting the president to exonerate uh, <laughs> black people from prison. Because she got black kids now. Yeah. she got to think about that. That's the next generation of the Kardashians. Yep. They're going to have a... They're going to be billionaires even before Kylie is. They're going to make Kylie look so old and dusty. Listen, the Carters, the Kardashians, and the Smith kids are going to be some shit in about five years. I think the Smith kids are already doing stuff. That's true. Willow's got Willow's got music coming out, right? She did. She just did this this thing with Avril Lavigne that everyone's going crazy about. Uh, I don't Avril know. Avril Lavigne, wow. I don't know. I just... It's in my peripheral. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know more than you're Shut letting up, on. You Max. know more than you're letting on. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but yeah, yeah. So Kanye's um, dating who? Somebody that used to date Bradley Cooper and um, somebody. Kanye's dating to, again? Yeah, he's dating like Arena Shershinkov. I, d- I have no idea who that is. But that? she's like a model, supermodel. But she used to date. Con- hold on, let me. Bradley Cooper, but then before that, she dated Cristiano Ronaldo. Wait a minute, is this the chick that Bradley Cooper broke up with after he did that movie with Lady Gaga? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Hold on, I'm looking this up. See, you know things. <laughs> I didn't know Kanye was dating. I thought maybe he was taking some me time, which he sorely needs. No, I don't think Jim and I take me time. Oh, okay, so the, oh. I mean, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, good luck to her. Because somebody was saying that Kanye always dates models, so that's why it was weird that he dated Kim. Whatever. Whatever. Uh, Kim is the model for everyone who's ever had plastic surgery in the last. Yeah, 10 but I guess years. like Kim doesn't like move well. As <laughs> right, you're, you're veering into misogyny territory. You know saying, like, I think that's what they were saying. Like the idea that like as in saying models are like oh people that can like walk or like dance. Because like Kim's like notoriously bad at dancing. I mean, he was he did once upon a time date regular ass women who weren't celebrities. So maybe. History changes all the time. <laughs> sure. Do you do you think that you could um, possibly live a life in which you just dated models? Like you just fell into like that kind of pattern? I mean, I think we all have types. That's true. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so are you going to check out the album? 
Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> I understand that there are very real, re- real reasons to hate Kanye's guts. Were, were you not one of those reasons? Did you not one of those people that were hating his guts not two, three months ago? Here's the thing. <laughs> At this point in my life, you know, uh, as I stare down the, ba- the barrel of middle age, you know, it gives me a little bit of perspective. <laughs> Do I want to throw out my entire musical catalog because these people are just assholes? No, not necessarily. I still fucks with, with college dropout. I still fucks with late registration um, and graduation. I still love those fucking albums. I'm not going to stop loving those albums. Now, it's been very easy to hate Kanye because his last few albums have been shit. But, okay. No, that's, that face is not saying, it's not because I'm disagreeing with okay. you. But I think you hit on the true chord that the greater you are, the more that can be forgiven. No, that's absolutely right. Melanie Stevens. I'm just being real. Like, the level to which you hate someone is, or you can hate on someone's work or their oeuvre, is very much based on, um, like, how good that oeuvre is. And whether you like that person in general. That's a slippery slope. It is a slippery slope, but it's, we all operate on that slippery slope. That's the reality. Like, um, for instance, I don't, I never wanted to say this on air, but I'm going to because he just put out an album and I don't hate it like I want to hate it. John Mayer. Now, the fact that you even listened to it to see if you were going to hate it or not. John Mayer, that's even worse. Shut up. He's a white douchebag. <laughs> He, John Mayer is the worst. He's an idiot and a moron, and he says problematic shit pretty regularly. Well, he's been in hiding for the last few years. But some of his music speaks to me, okay? I'm going to enjoy it privately in my home. I'm, am I going to talk his albums up? Am I going to tell people to go buy it? Hell no. Just but, on air. No. <laughs> no. What about, um, do you feel that way about Chris Brown? Oh, hell no. You didn't like any of his old stuff? I mean, I did like some of his old stuff. But you don't miss him. I don't. You don't lose anything by not having him in your life. I do not. Like the way you do about Kanye West or John Mayer. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I have real life memories from my 20s attached to Kanye West. Like concerts I've been to, people I've loved and cared about. It's hard to give that shit up, you know? I mean, technically, I have memories attached to R. Kelly, but that wasn't hard at all. That's why that, that's the name I was afraid you're going to say before John Mayer. So I was relieved, honestly. But to be fair, <laughs> to be fair, I've always thought R. Kelly or Robert has been overrated. I've never really fucked with his shit like that. So yeah. So you are going to get the album when it comes out. I will stream it. So you can listen to it. Probably like judge it on its merit. If it if it bangs, you're going to love it. If it doesn't, then you're going to continue. Hating Kanye West. If it bangs, I will love it quietly and continue hating on Kanye West. I contain multitudes, and I can do what I want at the same time. Okay, what do you think of the the listening party? Oh, that shit was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen some of the shit that comes? I was like, Kanye is a master class in. Like getting people to talk about him. That's for sure. 
I think of the classic Kanye line, people talk so much shit about me in barbershops, they forget to get their hair cut. <laughs> he, I mean, it's true. Yep. It's true. Yep. What about you? Are you going to listen to Donda? Um, what do you think about naming it Donda? No, I think I think he's trying, like, I'm sure he's doing that for himself, but it, I feel like he's trying to be like, that's totally like a sympathy name mm. for me. Mm-hmm. That's like, oh yeah, we're not going to be mad at you for naming that after <laughs> mom. Like, of course we're going to like give it a listen to and then you're like, you know, because we were always saying that, like, you know, or whatever. The the Kanye talking heads were always like, oh yeah, he was, he, he was he was bad after you know Donda passed away, mm-hmm. and then how like he was like whitewashed by Kim Kardashian. So it's like it just feels like oh it's like oh are you going back to like where you were before? Um, you know, Amber Rose broke your heart or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's part of me like I'm not saying I follow the Kanye West story, but I obviously I was able to quote moments. Um, yep. So I think like I. I do feel a sentimentality to to that to Kanye naming this album Donda and my interests are peaked because I don't feel like he would name a shitty album that. Yeah. If I think he like must be like this album is gonna be you know worthy of that name. Um, so yeah, I'm sure I'll, I'll listen to it. Um, I was I was kind of like into the listening party. Like I liked the the visuals and the optics of it. I liked that Kanye West was like being weird again. <laughs> But I like that he was being weird, not in relation to, like, Donald Trump and, like, Maganess. I like that he was, like, wearing masks and, like, inflatable clothing. I like that he was being that kind of weird again. Yeah. Um, so I was like, all right, I can get into that. I still, like, hate all the, how the Yeezys look. They look like Nerf shoes, like, no, they making shoes. And I was, like, wearing these, like, weird masks. But I was like, I'm into masks. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm still, like, hesitant to just, like, appreciating the artistry of Kanye West again. Yeah. Because it was, it was you know... As Dr. Umar says, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's been our time, everyone. And thank you for joining us for Who All Gonna Be There. Um, we will see you in a couple weeks. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, so let's talk about... Fast Nine. So apparently, we've gotten so far into the franchise that they will no longer be naming them. <laughs> Is that true? It's, it's like F Nine or something. Yeah, I don't know even what it's called anymore. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I think they have. I think they still like play with variations, but I don't I have no idea who's keeping up with it because I think. The first one is The Fast and the Furious. Yes. The second one is Too Fast, Too Furious. Yes, which the, which is the worst one? We can talk. We can circle back. <laughs> we can circle back to that. <laughs> Because I think the fourth one is my least favorite. Wait, the one where Paul Walker comes back? Vin Diesel comes back. Or, uh, yeah, Vin, Paul Walker's in all of them. Yeah. No, no Vin he... Diesel and Paul Walker come back in the in the fourth one. Oh, yeah. You think that's the worst one? That's what I think they, ones. like, I feel like it was still, like, they were trying to figure out what they were doing, but then in five, they hit it, because that's the one in Brazil, and that's the one with The Rock, and then that's, like, when it starts going off into this, like, crazy land. Yeah. So, like, I, four, I think, think four was, like, still them trying to figure out what what it was because mm-hmm. like yeah now that I like that I like that tension though yeah I just I, for me because I, I loved I guess I love the second one I love Roman Pierce mm. I love um, the whole movie Tyrese yeah I love Tyrese I love your pockets ain't empty cuz I love um, Ejecto Cito Eliani Fidel you know I love all that um, what about um, what's her face um, what's her face the woman Eva what who is Eva um, Eva Mendez Eva, Eva Mendez, Mendez. Did you love Eva Mendes? Um, I'm trying to remember what she did. Oh, she was like working for the bad guy, right? 
But, but she, she was, was a secret undercover cop. Yeah, and they never really explained how that operated because it was implied that she had to sleep with him. Yeah. But then they never. It was very weird. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I guess I don't remember that part. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like I like the second one. Um, Tokyo Drift. Then number four is just Fast and Furious. Yes. And then five was Fast Fast Five. Uh huh. And six was. Furious Six. I think I think you're right. I think it was Furious Six. Um, but yeah, after that, I can't even guess. I can't even guess. Um, I know, like, I think maybe nine was the fate of the Furious or something like that. Eight. Eight. Yeah, fate. Fate eight. Okay, sure. <laughs> the fate eight of the Furious. And now they're just an F. But I heard there's gonna be two more because I thought there's just gonna be I, one more, no, but there's I, gonna be two more. No, no, no. I thought they're just going to ten. I I read something just the other day saying that there's gonna be a ten and an eleven. And that they're going to finish the story in two movies. They will be knee-deep in 25, as long as this shit keeps milking money. Like, they're going to keep doing it. Who knows? Maybe maybe there are celebrities and actors want to go on to different things. No, they but, don't. But, yeah, so with <laughs> Fast and Furious 9 came out. Um, <laughs> as, as somebody that was somewhat knowledgeable in the Fast and Furious universe, I, you know, was interested. Was interested in viewing this. Uh, folks, don't be fooled. He's playing down his knowledge <laughs> of the Fast and Furious world. I have been riding. I feel like I've been riding shotgun since when did the first one come out? Two thousand one. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, twenty years. Twenty years. So I've been here. It's family. I feel when Dom says family, I was he's like, talking to you. He's talking to me. Yeah. So I could be a Toretto. Um, <laughs> I mean, clearly anybody. Could anybody be a- can be a Toretto. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. That's like, honestly, the Toretto's are like Olive Garden when you hear your family. (laughs) (laughs) But I I honestly, like, I was going to say that the fourth one was my least favorite, but I didn't really like Nine that much. I haven't haven't seen Nine yet. I need to, oh, yeah, because it's in the theaters, and I might try and go this weekend. I saw it with my niece. That was one of the things I did in Texas. How old is your niece? 16. Did she like it? Yeah, she thought it was all right, but she's like a cool sixteen, so she's like into cinema and like Gaspar <laughs> Noe and stuff like that. So she wasn't like feeling <laughs> that much. But she did go to see it. Yeah, yeah, we went all get together, and she was like, I feel like she was kind of into it, and then I started bad mouthing it, and then she started bad mouthing it. You ruined it for her. No, I feel like she was maybe like she knew I'm sensitive, and that I probably and she was like waiting to see if Uncle Max liked it or not. And then when I started saying it was bad, I think that's when she started feeling comfortable. But I thought it was bad, too. Because last time we all, at us all, all saw, like, what was it, Rise of Skywalker, or um, what was the second um, new Star Wars? Oh, no, man. The one where Luke Skywalker dies. Uh, Return of the Jedi? No, like, whatever episode eight was, I think I saw episode eight with my family, and I was so oh, okay. upset that night. And I was just like, be like, I can't believe they did Luke Skywalker like that. And I think my niece had to just hear about it all night. <laughs> but, um, so this is maybe like, cause I could talk about Fast and Furious whole podcast, so I'm not going to like stay on the subject too long, but, um, I think like I want to do a video essay. I think I want to write a thesis about this whole like Dom is family meme mm-hmm. because if we, do you want to explain that meme a little bit for those who are not in that sphere? Um, sure. So, so. I guess, I don't know how, but the internet decided that the most important aspect of Fast and Furious franchise is family. Because it's, it's the shit they keep repeating every five minutes. Yeah, I mean, they have a barbecue at the end, but that's nice. That feels fun. Like, I would, I would go to that barbecue. Um, um, I don't think the food would be good at that barbecue. Yeah, maybe. It's like Corona and then maybe some dried yeah. barbecue chicken. Corona at a barbecue? 
No thanks. Because he's like vaguely Mexican or something. It's like in California. Or whatever. <laughs> but they started in Miami. No, the first one was in California. Oh, are you sure? The second one is where they go to Miami. Oh, yes, you're right. You're absolutely right. Okay. So you like the second one now more, right? No. No. <laughs> I do not. And the third one, they go to Tokyo. Yes. No one ever talks about Tokyo Drift. I love Tokyo Drift. I'll talk about Tokyo Drift. <laughs> Lucas Black, Bow Wow. Bow Wow. Um, Han is in it. That's where we first That's get right. Han the first time. Han is back. Han is back. Okay, I need you to talk about that. Tell me about that. How did they redeem Han? Because I was no, pissed. No, 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 no. That's oh. another thing that I hate. I, no. I feel like I can only explain it with spoilers, so I don't want to like necessarily get into it unless you want to hear spoilers. But um, Yeah, you're right. I do not. I'm going to go see that. It's but that was like part of the convolutedness. It, it's almost getting so convoluted because they're having to like the family gets bigger every movie mm-hmm. and then like the bad guys become the family the next movie yes and then so it just it just it keeps expanding and then they bring back everybody that even potentially died um but now it's, it's just ridiculous is like i don't i feel like i can't say it because it'll just give it away but um you know who they won't bring back though wonder woman she's never coming back oh right yeah well yeah she's a zionist so we can restart. Okay, so right, restarting. Um, on a scale of on a scale of one to ten, what would you give? On a scale F9? of Fast and Furious. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I would give it. Um, so Fast and Furious one being a Furious being ten. Oh wait, so we're, oh, wait, so we're making the standard bearer Fast and Furious one. The no, Fast saying, and Furious. No, and the, on the scale of Fast to Furious, uh-huh. Fast is like a one, and Furious is a ten. Okay. So I would give Fast and Furious one a Furious. Wait, say it again. Wait, <laughs> this is so cool. This is this is the plot of Fast and Furious nine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Fast is one, Furious is ten. Yeah. So you give the Fast and the Furious what? I would give the first movie a Furious. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Because it sets it sets everything up. But the, so this is my only thing. I my only Fast and Furious theory I want to get into. So so the memes are like Dom Toretto and his car fighting Voldemort. Um, and saying, like, all you need is his family. And, like, Harry Potter being like, Dom, no, you can't handle it. And then he's like, all I need is family. And then he charges, like, Voldemort. Or um, um, uh, who's that guy? Jeff Goldblum from, like, Jurassic Park being like, you can't run the Tressic Rex, or the T-Rex. <laughs> trying to start with Rex. And then um, Dom's like, all you need is family. And, like, so he's just like, they put him in all these movies. And then all you need is family. There's this one that really good one I saw where it's like some guy was getting arrested by Carl Winslow. And he's like, aren't you that guy from Family Matters? And then um, Carl Winslow turned into Dom Toretto. And then he's like, all you need is family. And like he released him from the handcuffs. <laughs> um, that's also like you have to know Family Matters and Carl Winslow. I feel like yeah. less and less people know about that now. But um, That's sad. We're going to bring it back hopefully. Hopefully. The, where's the Family Matters reunion? Why is that ever in conversation? I don't know. It never Call Jaleel. Up. Jaleel's busy um, with his weed company. Oh. Because there's, so there's, a, there's black, a purple Urkel. Yeah, no, he he's responsible for that. Oh, shit. Yeah. The, the, Go Jaleel. He, so, a life after okay, family so matters. There's a black person making money off weed. I mean, that black person was already pretty rich, so, I mean, but, I mean, bygones. Because he had, like, on a show, he, had a, he was, like, a part of a show on, like, UPN for a little bit, too. What show was that? I don't know. Now, I know you're right, and it's in the back of my head, but I can't remember. Because for a while there, UPN was, was like, employing all the old black sitcom stars. It was a nice little moment. Then UPN became CW, right? Yeah, and then it yeah. became all white people. Mm-hmm. They all make with more the, money. With the occasional biracial. Right. So. Zendaya. <laughs> we'll have a Zendaya cameo. <laughs> um, we should have put that in there, but. 
All right, but I'm gonna. This is the last thing I'm gonna say. I'm gonna just try to get to it. Um, so throughout Fast and Furious, there's this, or th- nowadays with like Fast and Furious Nine and how all the memes are appropriating this idea that like Dom puts family over everything else. Mm. In the in the core of my thesis is does he? Because in Fast and Furious One, which according to world builders is like the Bible of Fast and Furious, mm-hmm. um, there's a line that says, so. A street race, so for those who don't know, or Fast and Furious 9, they're like international spies. But yes. Fast and Furious 1... They were stealing just, VCRs they were stealing, and yeah, CD players. Yeah, they were just from street trucks. racers. They were street racers <laughs> stealing electronics from um, 18-wheelers. <laughs> and they ran like a an auto shop. It's been quite day. a journey, y'all. Yeah, but that's family. That's what family does. Um, so, so, so their whole life was about street racing. Um, Dom and his crew, Letty... And all the other people that I think are dead now, but um, <laughs> Damn. the original. No, girl. you're not wrong. Yeah. No, but, but it's it's all about family. But right, right, right. like half of your original family. Well, dead. I think they had to kill all the all of them because like he was even though he was like racially ambiguous, he like ran the white crew because mm-hmm. like all his like crew members were white except for like Letty and you know his sister. Yeah. Um, I think Jordana Brewster. Jordana white. Brewster is white. She's a spicy white. She's just white. She's not like something. Um, okay. Um, Fun fact: I went to school for her with her for a year. For <laughs> she made me go to school. <laughs> <laughs> She's while she was filming Fast and Furious. I I took I took classes. At <laughs> and she's like what Italian or something? Oh okay, Brewster sounds white, but Punky Brewster was white and Italian, I guess. That was a fictional character. But the person that played him was Italian. So Leo Moonfry is she Italian? Oh, I don't know. That's a hippie name, so maybe not. <laughs> she might be. No, I think she's white. She just did a documentary. On um, Hulu, because she used to videotape all her friends during the 90s. And that's back when child stars were, like, ODing and shit. Yeah. It was really sad, actually. Shit. But, um, yeah. But I digress. Yeah, um, we keep getting distracted. Um, <laughs> so, 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 Fast and Furious 1, they're just street racers. They're just, like, live for street racing. And a street race is a quarter mile. And it usually <laughs> takes about 10 seconds. So, that you have to know that. So there's this line where he's like, I live my life a quarter mile at a time. For those 10 seconds or less, I'm free. Like, nothing else matters. Not my friend's drama, not my mortgage, not, like, my girl's problems. For those 10 seconds or less, I'm free. So I, I asked this question to all the Dominus family people. Like, why does he street race if street races is his escape from everything else? Ooh, okay. Because, like, he, he literally, like, lists... All the drama with his family, his crew, his his girlfriend, as and the reason he gets in the car is to be free up from all that. But it's just ten seconds, though. Yeah, but that's that's literally like I get that. Like for those ten seconds or less, I'm free, and you're just like chasing that high. All the other times of your life, waiting for the next time you could be in the car. Because Dom Toretto is like a ghost, and he's only Dom Toretto when he's behind the wheel, right? I was not prepared for these existential <laughs> questions for the Furious franchise. Um, I don't know how to answer this question. But really, aren't we all chasing the high of not being indebted to the world that we are? I'm so glad you brought that up, Mom. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> actually, that's how I feel when I do performance. I feel like um, when I do performance, I'm free. And um, where I'm only alive and everything else feels like a limbo or like a hazy afterlife 
um, a purgatory where I'm just like existing between moments, between performances. And I feel like that's how Dom Trotto feels when he's racing cars. And um, yeah, so I get that. But I'm not over here spouting family means everything if I'm trying to escape it. I mean, now that you say that, I do feel like that rush or that high when I'm making the work, you know? And it does feel like an escape. Yeah, we're all dumb turtles. We're all just trying to escape. We all just want to be free for that 10 seconds or less. Is that so wrong? It's not. So there you go. <laughs> um, okay, but wait, you didn't rate it. F9 from uh, on a scale of fast oh, to furious. Um, a four. Oof. That's not worth me going to a movie theater no, you, and risking COVID. Um, I need at least a six for that. So. Yeah, then maybe wait for it to stream. <laughs> Damn. I mean, I think you should watch it so we could talk about it, but um, <laughs> it, I was very disappointed in it, and I usually have a very big stomach for Fast and Furious is what I'm saying. Wow. It was just like, it was just so convoluted. They were just like trying to do all this shit. But like, even the return of Han didn't elevate it? It's just like, just fucking put him in cars and race. Like, what are we doing? Why is there all this talking? Why is there all this exposition? <laughs> Like I'm like I'm so with you to believe that John Cena and Vin Diesel are half brothers. Like I'm, I I'm like the one person that is like I'm gonna be I'm gonna believe that. You're like the two one of the yeah. two people because everybody else is like, what the fuck is going on? But then on? you're adding all this extra shit and it's like, come on, just Vin Diesel and John Cena should have fought like five times throughout the movie. They barely fought once. I'm giving away spoilers. Not something. Okay. But. Wait, really? Only once? That's not okay. See, I feel like they they do all these they set up all these things and they're like, where was the thing? And like, this is all supposed to be a John Cena, um, Vin Diesel showdown. The whole movie should have been this, but it did they reference Paul Walker, aka White Bay? They they mentioned him in the beginning about like him being retired and like not being in the movie. They'd be like, oh yeah, Paul and uh, Jordana Brewster, they're off doing their thing. But then Jordana Brewster makes an appearance because obviously Vin Diesel's, I mean John Cena's also her half brother, oh. so they try to make it like. They really do make it about family being like... I already forgot what John Cena's character's name was. Okay. Something Nicky. Because I mean, Paul Walker was fine. Yeah, but R.I.P., they can't bring Paul Walker back. Didn't they? But they used his brother as a double. Yeah, just to shoot some, like, last scenes. And then they did, like, CGI on his face or whatever. Okay. But they drove away. They drove away at the end. Yeah. That was a nice little send-off, too. No, I like that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, Fast and Furious has heart. They went to space, right? Yeah, so 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 um, Roman Pierce, which is Tyrese, and um, I always forget um, Ludacris's name. Luda. Um, Ty, Raj, Rye, something like that. But it's like a two. I'm gonna look it up. But it's, I think it's Ty. Are um, we really supposed to remember? No, we're not. Because he was such a small role in the second one, and yeah. then they like, and then they he became like the. Him and Tyrese became like the duo that were always in the stupid shit. I mean, uh, low key, I think Jaw was supposed to be the one, and then he dropped yep, out. Yep, yep. And Ludacris, there's an interview where Ludacris is like, "Thank you, Jaw Rule, for dropping out." I was like, "You're an idiot." Taj, his name's Taj. Taj. Okay. Roman and Taj. Okay. Um. Yeah. So they go to space, but they go to space. <laughs> this is where the Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, because this is the first time they've like brought in that crew. So they Bow, brought in the Tokyo Dr- yeah, so Bow Wow. Bow, Shad Moss. I think Shad. Shad Moss is what he goes by now. Yes. Um, Lucas Black. He'll always be Bow Wow to me. Right, I don't right. give me, a shit. Same, same. But um, <laughs> he's from Ohio. Shout out. Um, <laughs> Ohio's where I'm from. Um, <laughs> every day to the night. All right. Um, um, 
then loses Lucas Black at the the, yes. the hick. Um, Donkey Kong. And then um, some of the other How Tokyo Drifters. How is Lucas Drifters Black looking these days? Old. Oh. He's aged. He's like 10 years younger than me. Yeah, but I don't think he had like had Hollywood money to age on. So, like, oh, you're probably like living in Encino or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my I God. Don't know, like, Max. <laughs> Jesus. Not me. I'm not saying this stuff. You, you just said it. <laughs> but it's not me saying this stuff. It's like whatever popular sentiment. Okay. <laughs> So Roman and Taj um, get into this like DeLorean looking car that mm-hmm. the Tokyo Drift crew has been like working on because they've just been in general just been happy to like trying to build a rocket on the ship. Mm-hmm. And then I think Don connects them. He's like, oh, we need to like, you know, try to go to figure this out. And then it's like, oh, I know some guys in Tokyo, you know, mm-hmm. like pops them up from Tokyo um, from A to Z. Um, <laughs> but, um, so wait, the callbacks didn't make it? better for you like because that's that was cool. fun but like it was just it, like i wanted more time with everybody because like obviously every time they introduce one more character every character gets less time mm-hmm. um so i felt like i would have loved um you know like obviously they can't service every character the way i would want them to mm-hmm. like maybe they should have like more breakaway movies where it's like half the cast is in one movie half the cast is in like movie. hobbs and shaw yeah but they didn't have but anybody in hobbs and wasn't shaw. that trash i haven't seen it but i heard it was trash it was trash in the sense of like Fast and Furious, but I feel like the the shit they do defies physics more in Hobbs and Shaw than even Fast and Furious Nine. Because like the rocks over here, like pulling two like helicopters together with chains, and it was like your your biceps were like torn the fuck off. Like, come on, like you know, was, like, he probably wrote the script. And he's like, and then I um, pull this helicopter just with my bare hand, and then I hold this truck with my bare hand, and nobody's gonna question it. But like that's part of what you wanted. But he yeah, was like, to out. which I say, yes, Dwayne, I approve. Yeah, but he was trying to like out Dom Toretto, Dom Toretto, or whatever, you know. Because he also had like the family vibe. Because at the end of Hobbs and Shaw, his whole like um, family shows up to beat Edris Elba's ass. Oh, okay. <laughs> and they're also like about family. So, um, the Rock was not in this one. No, he hasn't been in whatever. I whenever they had the falling out, he hasn't been in any of the. Yeah, I heard he's not coming back. Yeah, he's not coming back. He's like, I don't need that. I think he hates like Tyrese and Vin Diesel. Oh, Tyrese too. Yeah, because Tyrese used to. I think there's. I like, remember like when 2018 he was like off his meds or something, yeah. or that's what he said. He was like saying a bunch of shit. And he, he was, was like, going through some shit. And he's like, oh, sorry, I was I wasn't taking my medication. And then like a week later he was saying more shit. And then, <laughs> but like a lot of it was like coming after The Rock for like doing Hobson Shaw. But I feel like Tyrese is not the kind of person you can seriously stay angry at because he's just got so much shit going on. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe maybe Tyrese and, and Dwayne are fine. But, I think um, Dwayne and, and Vin are really... Did you... I told you about this, about how the reason why Vin Diesel like was so tough on The Rock is because he felt he had to call him to task for his acting. <laughs> I think you did tell me about that, but then there was actually something online that was like saying that recently. It was like, it's not Fellini-esque. But it was like that. It was like I'm gonna be like mean to him to like bring out the actor in him. <laughs> and then I think because the Rock responded to that and was like laughing his ass off and was like, "What the fuck, Fellini esque? The goddamn Fast and Furious movie." Vin Diesel definitely strikes me as a guy who takes himself too damn seriously. No, see that's the thing. Like I've recently come to know Vin Diesel very differently. Okay. Recently, all right, see, here we, we don't go. Even do, but here he, we go. he has a, he has a music career. He has a, he has an EDM career that'll make you see a different side of him. So first off, Vin Diesel. Is um, I want to say he's a scan- he's a cancer, but he has a Scorpio rising, so he's super watery. And I'm just saying, like, all right, if anybody has an opinion about Vin Diesel, just type in um, Vin Diesel um, 
What's that one song? I can't even listen to it. It makes me fuck too fucked up. But um, Vin Diesel. <laughs> we'll link it um, so that you, dear audience, have the pleasure of listening to this. But you, for the full experience, you should definitely watch the video because it is something that happened for sure. Vin Diesel, someone you loved. So it's a cover. Somebody else does the song originally, but listen to the way the the emotion, the way he emotes, and then tell me that you still see him the same. So that's that's it for Fast and Furious. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about space imperialism. First up, and we've already discussed this a little bit. Um, Bezos and them. Um. Bezos dropped a whole lot of money to travel to space for two seconds and then come right back. Max. Yeah, no, I think, I thought, I think, I mean, obviously nobody has any power, but we should have shot the spaceships down, um, called an accident, um, made up some, <laughs> some excuse. But this was an easy chance, I feel like, to get rid of, like, multiple billionaires. Because Richard Branson went to space, mm. Elon just went or is about to go to space and like I can't should, keep up with the billionaires I don't yeah we should like care. this is the time to rise up if this isn't the sign then I don't know what else is like you know there was storming the Bastille but now it's gonna be storming the rocket port like yo rich people are too rich and literally they control all the power but don't care about earth cause they're gonna die on in space and this is very alarming and I think this is like a, a scary time yeah <laughs> That's very ominous, Max. Um, on the, I think on this, on the same token, I've just heard about Lil Uzi Vert buying a planet. Have you heard about this? Yeah, man. I, <laughs> I think he's trying. I heard that he was trying to buy one. I was like, I didn't know you had any money left after that the pin, rock, the, the planet you put in your forehead. Which I'm pretty sure is gone. Yeah, maybe didn't like it his didn't body take rejected it. it yeah, <laughs> who's surprised? But how old, how old is Uzi Vert? He's like 25 or something, right? Yeah. Old enough to know better. Is that? Yes. I think so. But you, I feel like money corrupts to be like, is that old enough? He's 26. Lil Uzi Vert has been at the center of quite a few controversies lately. Oh, his birthday's coming up. So he's about to be 27. July 31st. So. Did you hear about the thing with his, his ex-girlfriend? No. The okay. last I heard about Uzi Vert was the, the um, Instagram video fight with... Uh, the Miami um, oh, City no, Girls. No. Apparently, he pulled a gun on his ex girlfriend. Oh my God. Jesus. Oh. Since then? Yeah. Jesus. Like a month ago or something like that. Um, Lil Uzi Vert is not the person that I thought he was. Granted, I don't know him, but. <laughs> you thought he was like Sweetie or something? Yeah, just from the memes, which is dumb. Just from his, like, him dancing and stuff? Yeah. Um, no, he seems like a shitty dude, obviously. He's yeah. rich as fuck. <clears throat> Abuses women. If you were rich at 24, 23, do you feel like you would have a modicum of decency? I think so, but I think uh, that's more credit to my parents. Mm. I'm sure I would still be like way less decent than I am now, but I don't think I would be that bad. Yeah. I think I would have... Yeah, I still feel like my... My upbringing will still ring true, regardless of my money. Indeed. So what do you think about Uzi uh, buying a planet, potentially, with Earth money? Yeah, I doubt it. 
I doubt it. Like, I mean, but there's a, there's a part of me before I wanted to start day trading in cryptocurrency where I was thinking about investing in futures as in, like, um, moon soil mm-hmm. or, like, things like that. So I was like, I don't know how crazy it is or if it's just, like, that far in the future. But um, I think it's good to think about where the future things are going to be. I don't know, like, how, also, too, like, how recognized it's going to be. Like, who says that he bought that planet? Like, what company are you buying this planet from? Like, w- like you know, who owns that planet for you to buy it from? Mm. And the idea that, like, that's going to be recognized in the future when that planet ever is, like, taken up, that's ridiculous, right? Like, sure. oh, I have this, like, this company that, who certified this company to own that planet? Like, nobody owns the planet, so how can you own it? But I think that's also, like, kind of, like, fucked up in general. Now that I'm thinking about it, like, maybe it's, like, colonialist. And, like, maybe that's, like, fucked up for Uzi Vert to, like, out here trying to buy things that you can't buy. And, like, why try to own anything? True, true. Give money back. Give money to people. We should actually, like, I think this is, like, some conversation we've had on the Natural Project before, and I always go back and forth about, like, the standards we hold. Rich black people, too, because um, I always feel like it's potentially unfair, you know, because obviously we're not holding, like, rich white people to those standards. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, being of the community, being of the culture, you're, like, surely, like, some of this, like, uh, half-ass shit you're thinking about spending money on, you shouldn't. You could do with other things. You could, like, I think even, like, this is, sounds like a capitalistic selling point but like there's ways of like helping the community that can still be like financially benefit you yeah instead of like fucking buying planets or buying diamonds or whatever but i don't know that's easy to say as somebody with no money so like whatever but yes also as someone who has very little money i mean i I just think that we need to hold all people of a certain tax bracket accountable period black people who you know have that access um and have just as much to lose or gain are just as accountable as white people. With that said, I don't know what difference it makes. It like it, how much like if there's certain black people that make the money like exclusively from black people. Because I know Uzivert, I'm sure I don't know this for certain, but I'm sure his fan base is probably more white than black. Yeah, as is the deal with most rap artists. Yeah, yeah. so it's like I don't know. I don't know what that means. But do you think that changes things? Like if your if your so. audience is primarily black, like let's say. Um, Johnson and Johnson, um, with Ebony and Jet Magazine and all like the publishers or whatever, like mo- their audience is primarily black. Do you think that they should be held more accountable for the money that they make because it comes from the pockets of black people? I think so. I think um, I think it's. I don't think it's like on black people to hold them more accountable, but I think there's like more of that space to be like, yeah, like those kind of things that are like. I mean, I think I feel like there's so many like specifications because i feel like uzi Vert as like a rapper like you know getting rich off rap even mm. though his like largest fan base is like white consumers still all that is like all the more reason to owe stuff to black people potentially um but i definitely think if you are like have like a black product and like an exclusively black community is um consuming that product purchasing that product participating in it um I think it's definitely fair to be like to be more conscientious of your audience that way because like obviously these are the people you're making money from. Yeah. Um, but like when it comes to like things that are like crossover or like things that like I don't know if Uzi ever ever started like exclusively in some black space because obviously there's like black artists, black musicians that like are exclusively like black mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. blow up. But I think a lot of like rappers like never, especially nowadays, like I don't think are never like start out exclusively black. If anything, maybe it's like white teenagers that like know about them before anybody else just like because of the internet and like how much of like yeah. white people vulture and me- museumify i think it, it depends on where where they are <laughs> like i think certain um black artists like 
if they come up in certain regions or certain areas, maybe start with a black base. And then as, you know, they chase more national or international acclaim, it becomes something else. Yeah. I feel like a lot of Texas artists are like that, but I could be wrong. A lot of Southern artists in general. Like, clearly Outkast started with a black base, right? But they are something else now. Yeah, I feel like that was also, like, with Outkast, I feel like that's also the, the mainstreaming of hip-hop. They were there, like, when hip-hop was yeah. still, like, black. And they then, were there in the beginning, right. and then, but they were also there during that changeover. Right, like, hey, and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, being like, oh, yeah, like, white people love And it hey, was a little bit of a choice. But actually, no, because it was that album, um, The Love Below, Stan Co- not Stan Co- The Love Below, Love Low Speaker Box. I would say Big Boy wasn't doing that at all. It was just... Well, I think that's like that it gets into another question because I feel like that's a lot of like the criticism that Andre 3000 like has received and like pushed back upon. It's like you say I'm trying to like be more white, but I'm just like diversifying my sound. No, I'm, okay, but it's complicated. Yeah, with, it is. Complicated. It's complicated <laughs> with with Dre Three Stacks because I don't think that he was consciously trying to be white. I just think that he needs to take responsibility for how he was consumed, like. There's a part at that point they had been famous for a while. Mm-hmm. So he had a degree of media savvy. So he knew that if he presented himself in a certain way as this kind of like um musical prodigy that was playing all these instruments and and kind of mixing in these genres that his audience would change. He has to take responsibility for that. You can't you can't play the ingenue at that point. I think, that was 10 years into their career. I think no, I think like yeah, I think it's, it's fair to be like yeah, take responsibility for that. But to say that that was like the main motivation for why he started making that music or why he started like making changing his sounds or doing that thing was yeah because like, he could have been like i want to do this stuff and he's like oh people are gonna you know like maybe he was aware of that it's like you know when you make art you're like doing it for your own reasons but then right. you're aware of the potential reads that could come in it right and be like oh yeah somebody i could see how somebody thinks i'm doing this to sell more records or to be more uh widefied or mainstreamified right but is that also the reason to not do something being like oh i need to like just keep the same sound because if I grow or change, then... Okay, but why are you packaging it as growing or changing? I wouldn't say the big boy didn't grow or change. No, I don't think that at all. I think there's growing and changing, but I think the idea of, like, crossing genres, right? I think big boy changes, like, and grows as, like, an artist, but I thought, like, Andre 3000 was, like, way more open to this, I'm going to pull from all these different genres. Right. And even though, like, they were still, I feel like, black genres... It was just not outside of hip-hop. It was still, like, music that I feel like black people were still, like, inspiring him from all these different sounds. Yeah, but he was also, like, doing features with Nora Jones and, like, white artists and shit on The Love Below. Yeah, no, I guess that's... Yeah, that's a different part. That's a different part. That's a little different part. Okay. But I don't know. But, I mean, because I know, like, he... I know, like, too, like, he does give that criticism, but I also know that, like, his pushback is, like, I was trying to, like... You know, just because I was doing for something for 10 years doesn't mean I'm defined yeah. in anything. Like, surely we're still yeah, that's, changing and growing that's and learning and figuring out who we are as people, as artists. Yeah. You know. But also, I know for a fact, as someone from Atlanta, someone who grew up in the same neighborhood as them, that, like, his persona, his wardrobe choices or whatever, that was all calculated. Like, but calculated he in had way someone where, like, who dressed him. Like, but, but calculated in the sense that, like... I'm trying to get more white fans or calculated in the sense of like I'm trying to do this other thing and like as um, a side effect is uh, more white fans. Can you say that it's 100% a 
of any of those? No, that's what I'm saying. But I'm saying like, I think it's I don't, I I don't disagree with you, but I'm like wondering like if the motivation is like I need to appeal to white people mm-hmm. in this versus the motivation I was like I'm exploring all these other realities or all these other ways of being, yeah. and that potentially makes me more palatable to white people. Is that a, not a realm I should be exploring? So I think it's still no, like being right. like what because I don't think his he was like trying to be like I'm gonna get oh uh, or his maybe on some level that was aware to him and he that was true to him but it's like I don't think that was like the true that wasn't the motivation. motivation right yeah but he was aware of the possibility yeah I think yeah but again at the same time it's like being aware of that possibility should have stopped you from exploring new things that's true that's true like okay from for instance my art practice or whatever um I a part of the reason why I never really explored like printmaking um, or comics before was because I assumed that they were primarily white. Um, but then I moved here and I gained access or whatever and I started exploring those those ways of making. And there is a part of me that's like, these are white, like, there's a heavy concentration of white people and I'm less likely to find, you know, black colleagues in these areas, but I'm not going to stop doing it. I don't know. It's weird. But I am aware of that, though. But is that changing how you move through space? In some ways, yes. It, it, it makes me a lot more intentional of, like, how I choose to share my work in some ways. Because I don't want to be consumed in that way. I don't know. I'm not going to move through traditionally white channels to distribute my work. And I want to make sure that I continue to own all of my IP or whatever. So, there is some intentionality there. Yeah. What do you think about, like, um, this is kind of, like, tangential, but, um, mm-hmm. right, like, you being in Portland, you realizing this white concentration, mm-hmm. um, and maybe, like, a lack of black colleagues, like, uh, about, like, building that space. Well, I'm, I am in community with people, with black people, black artists who are doing that. Yeah. Work. I'm not necessarily doing that work because that takes money and resources, but I am connecting with people who are doing that work. Because I really, yeah, I'm really interested. More recently, I've been thinking of this idea of like, you know, sometimes you go to a place or whatever, and then there's maybe there's not like a built-in audience, mm-hmm. but it's like you maybe you can engage in activities or actions over time that kind of cultivate an audience or like maybe there's not one that exists, but it's like you kind of like create the audience over yeah. time somehow through different means through a variety of means but this idea that like not only do you create an audience but then you like maybe also like start creating a potential next generation of um people to like do the things that you're doing from beyond and it's like i don't know i mean but i think outcast did do that like their career has been a really interesting sort of shift and hybrid and they built an audience with them they built an audience from like middle class southern georgia um that sort of grew out to encompass like middle-class southern Georgia, black people, um, that grew to encompass this way of thinking, this, like, post, like, Sun Ra, post, like, Afrofuturism, um, and it kind of grew with them. But, you know, the Hey Ya, the speaker box, Love Below, was an interesting, weird kind of pivot, I think, for them. Because they were on one track, and they just sort of shifted. It was a constant decision to mainstream. But then you're saying that's both of them, though. Both of them made that choice. Even if Andre 3000 maybe did it in these more easy 
tangible ways, but if they're a group, then I'm sure Big Boy was just as um, a part of the decision yeah. to to mainstream to go that that's true the route, the route. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's just the logical conclusion of any sort of commercial form of art making. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it takes a lot to to turn down an opportunity. I think yeah. to be like we can make you so much more money and give you so much more access, give you so much more audiences, or you could keep, you know, doing what you're doing or, like, have, like, way less support, way less of an infrastructure, and it's like, yeah. Which I think is fair. Like, I'm sure there's, like, artists that do turn that down. It's like, no, like, my art's my art, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but I don't I don't think I could judge anybody for, for not taking the deal. Yeah, I can't judge anyone. I'm not sure if I would turn it down. You <laughs> know, Would you turn it down? I don't know. I mean, it depends on, like, what it was, like, what it means. Yeah. In what ways I'd have to compromise myself if I even saw the, any of it as being a compromise of myself or I saw it as just, like, the, the next step yeah. or the next opportunity. But in general, I feel like I try not to, like, compromise myself or I feel like try not to be, like, existing situations where I have to compromise myself. But I don't even know what that means. I mean, because there's things that, like, I feel strongly about, but there's also things I don't feel strongly about. Like, sometimes if, like, I'm working with, like, an institution and they're like, oh, we, like, you know, we want to like present your bio in this way if i don't feel strongly about it i'm like yeah that's fine okay um i don't see like that's a compromise if it unless i was like i had a strong opinion and be like oh i want my bio to just be wingdings and if you don't accept that then i'm walking you know yeah so i think on things on so i think on things where i do feel strongly like i'm not gonna compromise but there's tons of things that i feel like i don't have an opinion on Especially, too, because okay. I'm, like, new, too. So, like, new to doing so much stuff. So I was like, all right, yeah, this is what you want to do. Okay, I have a question. Would you let, like, a press release um, of a third party refer to you as, like, BIPOC or POC? No. So you do feel strongly about that? Yeah, I feel, that would be something I feel strongly about. Because okay. like, I would want, I would want, I want like, proofreading over anything that contains me yeah. or, like, my name in it. And I would definitely, like, push back on anything. Like, not not only push back, but, like, no. Like, we're going to put black mm-hmm. or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, like, stuff like that, I would put, I would definitely be like, no. Okay. I don't play that. Because I know people. We both know people where that shit has happened to them in press and na- in national press without their knowledge. Yeah, see, stuff. I think that's a different thing. When somebody does without your knowledge, it's like, oh, I didn't get... But once it's out there, once it's out there, and for, for instance, like a huge national publication, which I shall not name, that's owned by a private family, what the fuck can you do? You so can't I, do I feel like that's like kind of maybe a different question about like control, like levels of control, because I don't but feel I, like that's like somebody compromising themselves. This. But, but here's the rub about that, though. The higher you get, the less control you maintain. Mm, that's the okay. thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that's hard, and it's, like, maybe trying to throw your weight around as much as possible, but, I mean, also, like, maybe it's, like, yeah, like, maybe you come off that way, but to, like, maybe other people in the know is, like, oh, I know this is a misrepresentation of you because, like, this is this, like, white industry that, like, wants to portray you this way, and, like, maybe these aren't actually your words, but I feel like that's a lot of like awareness to like get to that because I'm sure like I could read somebody else's thing and like oh what um what like ridiculousness is this by you referring yourself as like Pipok or whatever like you know what would Dr. Umar say or something <laughs> <laughs> um but I don't know I mean I think it's hard like it's hard to know what somebody actually experiences like what somebody what realms somebody's actually navigating mm-hmm. like I think we can have similar experiences like definitely very different for different people um so I can, like, I know what I have to navigate, and I can only, like, 
uh, infer or assume the other navigations of other people, but I feel like I'm yeah. I try not to be judgment. I mean, I think it's easier to do in like in like outcast senses of like multimillionaires and this, but like within like our art world context, I feel like I'm very much more not here to like judge, mm. um, especially other black people, right? Um, as far as like what they're doing or how they're represented, because as to your point, like I know some of that is not in their control yeah. or in their control and it's like yeah maybe they had all this opportunity and also too like being somebody that's like new to opportunities or like I feel like most things I've done I've done for like one time or it's like the first time I've done this like I don't fully know all the ways I can navigate this all the full ways I can like advocate for myself or like negotiate for myself if I'm business because advocating is like a person thing but yeah. um negotiate for myself when it's like so I think I get that too that you know, things are learned, and people get better at stuff, and maybe, you know, maybe there's an article that, like, misrepresents you, but hopefully maybe the next article represents you better, maybe. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I think things, like, life is messy, so I think, too, it's, like, it's really hard to, like, just be so absolute about any judgment of a person or the way uh, somebody moves through a thing. I think the only way you can really control it is if you give it the Beyonce treatment and you just are, like, no press. I'm not doing anything. I'm not saying a word. Yeah, see, I, I want to get to that point where like everybody wants to because I feel like I need all the press right now. So I'm like, I'm trying. To, <laughs> I'm like, I want to be like, do you want to? Do you want to talk to me? I'm like hitting people. Do you want to talk to me? Do you want to talk to me? <laughs> it's the other way around. The journalists are tired of me. Be like, <laughs> I hang out outside the paparazzi's house. <laughs> like, hey, I'm gonna be at this place tonight. <laughs> Come in. I'm like right outside. Yeah. All right, so. I see that you have here on the list Kang. Kang, that's all I put. Kang. Yeah, I love it. I mean, Jonathan Majors. Yeah, I love that. I love the idea of us seeing so many different iterations of Jonathan Majors mm-hmm. in the next upcoming ten years. Because like they're really like pre- they're pretty much saying Kang's the next Thanos mm-hmm. is like my read of it. So we're gonna get ten years of Jonathan Majors through different iterations, mm-hmm. right? It's like you're gonna be seeing me soon. I would just like to point out that I knew this man was a star when I first saw him in The Last Black Man in San Francisco. I was like, he is going to be something. Um, yeah, he's just, he's a star. Um, but also in the in the Loki finale, he was definitely giving me Willy Wonka energy. Like, okay. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> like, everyone, everyone online was, like, kind of uh, making fun of the TVA as a black-owned business and you know, kind of taking it from that, whatever. But I definitely got, like, this sort of playful, um, nihilist <laughs> energy. No, yeah, I love that. I love that he was, like, it seemed like he had been alone for a long time, which I feel like everybody in COVID can relate to. Yeah. Um, but he was, like, really smart. But, yeah, kind of, like, wonky, a little Willy Wonky, mm-hmm. a little man behind the curtain of uh, um, Wizard of Oz. But I loved it. I loved I loved how he played the character. I loved that we're gonna see so many different versions mm-hmm. of him. And I'm sure like the character we saw is gonna be like not being gonna be the way he plays the other kings, right? Mm-hmm. Um so I loved all that. I also loved like the memes about Sylvie being a Karen and like trying to complain about the, the TVA T, TVA and then it's a black owned business. <laughs> um so I loved all that. Um and I, yeah, you know, I was just really excited because, like, I I had always like coded Thanos as black in my head. Um, yes. But this is also this gets me to another tangent that, like, you know, like comic book fans, like Marvel fans, are always so upset 
when um, heroes are recast as black, mm-hmm. but they never have any problem when villains are recast as black. Right. There was not one person, not one person that was like upset with Kang being presented as black. Where was like, but had Loki been black? Had Sylvie been black? Had somebody else been black? There would have been so much outcries. People would have been killing themselves in the streets. Yes. Um, neck beers would have been <laughs> offing themselves. But over here, so that's like my own issue, or not my own issue, but another issue is that like nobody has any problems when when villains are are, are recasted as a black. No, they but don't. I'm also somebody that you know I'm super here for that because I the villains are the most interesting characters. They are. And I'm if Marvel for- doesn't. Disneyify everything and trim to anti-heroes because sometimes we just want a villain. I don't want a fucking anti-hero. I, want I mean, Loki's already an anti-hero. Yeah, thank you. Please, next. Yeah. Um, which I did. I did like Loki for the most part. Um, but I loved the last episode. I love Kang. I love the future of Marvel. I love um, not the future. That sounds like I love Kang's future in Marvel. Um, but I just love. There's like this TikTok, you know, the one the of like a row of people dancing like this, and he's like when all the Kangs. Start merging and meeting up, <laughs> and then like it came went through the multiplicity screen. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm just here for that. I'm here for um, I'm here for all the future King internet art that comes from Jonathan Majors being um, King. Yeah, I'm here for all that, and um, yeah, that made me really happy. I love Jonathan Majors in the MCU. I'm all for black people securing the bag, which is what the MCU is a guaranteed bag. Yeah. <laughs> um, the MCU and Fast and Furious. That's why Ja Rule is fucking trying to do Fry Festival. He could have not been worried about it and just been playing Taj and Fast and Furious. So you need to talk to your manager, talk to your account. Yes. Yeah. Um. <laughs> all right. So segments. What Old Mister talking trash about Shug. Folks don't like nobody being too proud or too free. So now it's time for Seely's glass of water, which is a special prize for the folks who are doing the most with the absolute least. Um, so now normally I tend to go in on the press because they're an easy target um, and they're always the worst. Um, let's face it, they are trash. But this time I'm coming for us, the people. Recently, two seemingly disparate events have occurred in the sports industry, but for me, they are very much connected. Um, We talked about this earlier, but with Naomi Osaka, um, she declined to do press for the French Open, um, citing mental anxiety issues. Um, And, you know, she was obviously going to compete, but she wanted to kind of... uh, take some rest from doing press which apparently is pretty um hectic and you know we've seen some of those press junkets it looks like a lot um also we all kind of know about shikari richardson um and as max explained earlier she was she tested positive for thc um before uh you know, being a part of the Olympics and was later sort of um, ejected from them because of that uh, that result. She later admittedly uh, admitted that she indulged because she had learned from the press that her mother had passed away. So two women who are clearly grappling with health and wellness within the context of anti-blackness and the athletic industrial complex. That should be enough, right? It should be an- the end of the story. Um, These two black women who happen to be at the top of their game are obviously going through some 
pretty serious shit in their lives, respectively. Why, when these things happen, is it the default to turn their plight into some sort of campaign to turn these humans who are so clearly dealing with personal shit into mascots stripped of humanity and used for political agendas? Naomi doesn't get to be just Naomi anymore. Now she represents the plight of all black women struggling with mental wellness and corporate obligations and agency in the workplace. Shikari isn't a young woman coming to terms with the death of a parent. No, she's a poster girl for the ways in which drugs and drug use has been used as a dog whistle and a marker for racism in America. Are these issues crucial and deserving of dialogues? Yes, very much so. Do we need to throw people into the spotlight and append their personal lives to do so? Absolutely not. Why? What is the point? What does this do? Force folks into instant celebrity and upholding an impossible standard of public scrutiny only to watch them be knocked down later when they prove to be human and flawed? Thanks, but no thanks. Can they be excluded from this narrative? Leave these people alone. Leave them be. Let them heal. Let them be great. Mind your business. Damn, I'm exhausted just watching. I know they are. Aren't you? All right. Um, and the next segment, um, y'all could have kept that. <sighs> y'all could have kept that. It's a new segment. A shout out to people and organizations doing a thing that nobody asked for or wanted. So recently, Normani dropped a new single um, entitled Wildside, and it sampled Aaliyah's One in a Million. Now, for those of us who grew up with and love Aaliyah, we have long been frustrated with the lack of availability of her catalog on streaming services. Um, We've recently, in the past few years, learned that it's because her family have kind of kept a pretty close um, and tight grip on that IP, which, you know, that's fine. It's their business to do what they want with it. Um, However, recently her uncle sounded off on Normani's sampling. Um, Barry Hankerson is his name. Um, He's the owner of her master recordings. Um, And he told TMZ, um, which is, you know, the first thing you do when you want to uphold your privacy, um, (laughs) that it would have been, quote, more honorable, unquote, if Normani had requested clearance for one in a million. Nevertheless, he said Aaliyah would have been pleased to see her legacy kept alive. Um, Quote, I will not stand in the way of something that brings to light the incredible staying power of Aaliyah. So in that light, wishing Normani well with the song and overall career, God bless, I think Aaliyah would be pleased. So on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being, eh, I don't really care, to 10, this person needs to be punished and just shut up. <laughs> Where do you stand with this? Um, I feel like because it's Aaliyah, like I would have, yeah, I feel a little gross that there wasn't the approval. Like, maybe if it was, like, a living artist or, like, something different, like, I would have feel, like, maybe, like, less so. But, like, I think this feels a little disrespectful to not have oh. got the sample approved. Mm-hmm. And I am wondering if, like, Barry Hankerson is, even though he's being, like, yeah, like, I appreciate that, like, Aaliyah still, like, um, gets, like, wants to be played in the street and stuff like that. Um, if he is following any legal um, 
recourse if he is going to like sue Normani or if there is going to be like any legal action taken. Because mm-hmm. um, it seems like he's, it seems like he has like the grounds to do that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, no, it's a little disappointing. I think again, I think mainly because of who Lee is and like what her like legacy is and like the fact that she like passed away and like passed away so young. I feel like it does feel more disrespectful versus like oh I didn't like get like a Tyga um you know song cleared or something you know <laughs> um but yeah so I don't know so I so, so I guess that's how I feel so what's one to one to ten of one to ten of how much should Normani be punished like yeah I don't think she should be punished I think it should be a conversation I think she should talk to Aaliyah's camp and then there should be some financial restitution or whatever like whatever like money that they would have gotten off the song being cleared and like it being because like there's probably like some percentage or some like payment involved in like sampling a song like through their legal channels so mm-hmm. I like I just want that to be upholded more than anything being like I hope Aaliyah's family gets credited and gets whatever money that they're supposed to get from that so what what do you feel about a Barry Hankerton kind of being passive aggressive with the way he addresses this in the in the media I don't think that's super passive aggressive. I feel like he handled it better than other people. I mean, if okay. he, especially if he's like the the um, preparator of the will or whatever, the one that like runs the estate. If mm-hmm. that's his job, then like I think he's the one to talk about it. Okay. Yeah, as the owner of the masters, I think. So it seems like he's being he's being really like um, complimentary. Mm-hmm. But I still think that there could be legal recourse, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Or if, like, again, if Normani and him have a conversation, hopefully it doesn't have to go to court, and they can just be like, well, according to these things, like, we should get this amount of money. And I think that's why. So where does that put you, like, a five? <laughs> no, I'm not I'm not upset. I'm not upset. Like, maybe, maybe like, a two. A two, okay. Um, I don't think, like, Normani should be punished or, like, shamed or, like, dragged or anything like that. I think, yeah. like... It depends on her how obviously too like you know it's one of those things like maybe her team was like oh yeah we cleared the song or like you know like how much is it directly her versus like her camp her team or whatever and um obviously maybe she didn't even know and you know hopefully when she does realize this she would want to do what it would take to rectify it i'm not saying that the song shouldn't exist Mm -hmm. i'm just saying like it should just be properly attributed and the right people should be getting the money from it right right but it seems like you disagree I mean, I was feeling a certain way about it, but, like, you've kind of changed my mind. Like, originally, I was, like, I thought that Hankerson was being kind of passive-aggressive, like, rather than just privately talking with Normani and her camp, bringing this to light to TMZ was kind of poor form, I think. And, like, it was kind of this backhanded, oh, like, we we wish her much success, but it would have been more honorable if she had cleared this. Well, but- they, say, they say told TMZ, but you don't know if, like, TMZ, like, approached him first. True, versus like him approaching point. Team C versus like hey Team Z was like hey did you hear about this happening like but what's he's your... a private citizen I why would Team Z approach him because that's what they do they like they like dig for the they dig for the stories and be like oh this thing happened let's go interview the person and be like hey yo Normani's using an Aaliyah song that's not credited mm-hmm. how do you feel about that he's like that's a good point I mean do you think that Team Z have enough black people on their staff where they would know to to find this guy and ask him? maybe white people versed in blackness. <laughs> Maybe some bilingual whites. Yeah. I mean, I was going to give this a solid four, but I'm going to come down and give it a three because of you. You've so you were you were going to punish Normani harder? Um. Or Barry Hankerson? Hankerson a little oh, okay. bit. 
Oh, I don't think Barry Angleton gets should get any at all. Yeah, I mean he's the owner of the the recordings. But why? Okay, but also I'm a little biased because why is he holding all her shit? Like we want we want to be able to stream Aaliyah. I know I, I get that, but like maybe the family has reasons. Like I feel like that's still respecting the family. To me, it's still the same kind of stuff about like artists making artwork about like Tamir Rice with Tamir Rice mom not being cool with it. Yeah. So to me, that's like to me that's like yo like. Where like it goes back to like yeah we all want to make money we all like want to make art we're all like in a business and in entertainment but I think there's still like this intra communal respect that we should adhere to if like somebody's family's like not trying to fuck with that we should be like all right there's other things I can do there's other samples I can use there's other things I can make art about it's not to be about Tamir Rice it doesn't have to be an Aaliyah sample again if you want to use it I think you can also go through the right channels right it seems like yeah. maybe he would have approved it had. Or maybe he wouldn't have, and that's like why she did it. But now it seems like he was into it, and maybe he will approve it now. I was like, I don't know. So I don't know the full story, but just based on this stuff. Yeah. I just think like it's. I think it just seems like I just yeah. I think it's it's nice to still respect things and people, even though you don't need to. Um, that's a good point. Yeah, I think you might be a little bit of a better person. Because <laughs> right now, because I'm just like I want to be able to hear Aaliyah. When I when I log on to title, but do you want to hear like do you want to hear like Lil Pump doing some like Aaliyah remix? Touche. That would piss me the fuck See, off. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Or see an Aaliyah hologram. Um, Did you hear about that build? Whitney Houston hologram no. thing they're planning? No. Oh my god. No, oh my god. The disrespect. No, they're not. Where? Yes. What is it for? I, I forget. But it's. Oh my god. Yeah, it's terrible. Can I make this shit up, Melanie? You cannot. Cannot make this shit up. <clears throat> Alright, it's time for your segment. Just a facts with Max. I'm stating facts, 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 facts. The top scorer for the African Cup of Nations in 2006 and in 2008 are both Samuel Eto at five goals each. I'm stating facts, 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 facts. Wow. My mind is blown. <laughs> yeah. That was very informative. Thank you, Max. <laughs> Did you just thank yourself? Well, thank my, myself in a different time. Oh, okay. It's a re- recording. Time travel. Time travel. Um, all right. So, parting words, Max. Yo, what's up? Summer 2021. Um, it is a funky, fresh print summer. Um, yo, go out on the beach. Hot girl summer. Um, Trying to get some rays. Trying to get some sun before the forest fires come to Portland. Oh, God. Um, yo, I'm out here making art, trying to have fun. Yo, hit me up on the IG, um, I Yahoo Messenger, I am. Yo, I'm going to pull all the blackberries, start texting. Um, but, yeah, that's what, that's what we're doing. Beach balls and um, bonfires and bulico and um, bonsoir. All right. And my parting words is... Uh, Go out and get y'all Watershed Volumes 1 and 2. It's a good read. It's great for um, summer reading. Um, You'll enjoy it. The art's amazing, um, if I must say so myself. And it's a good story. Also, you know, enjoy your summer. This is probably our last days, so make the most of it. Uh, Get get yourself to an ocean. Um, You know, live your best life. This is the only one you have. Bye, all. Bonsoir.